Love is the ground of our being. Because God is the ground of our being and God is love. We cannot escape or outrun it no matter how hard we may try. No matter how hard we try to push it away or wander far from it, no matter how close we come, no matter how we might seek to grasp it, define it, limit it, control it, no matter how miserably we fail or wonderfully we succeed, love is, was, and always will be the ground of our being. And therefore, we are free. We can cease striving and know that God is God. Therefore, we can risk pain. We can risk grief. We can risk going after all of it, giving it our all, knowing that we are rooted and grounded in the love that is God. We can rest in grace and peace. We can risk loving our neighbor. We can risk loving ourselves. We can risk the birth pangs that always accompany that which God calls us to birth into the world. The birth pangs that always accompany birthing anything new into the future. We can risk pain. We can risk uncertainty. We can risk stepping toward a future that we aren't yet sure what it is or what it looks like, knowing that God goes before us and comes behind us and walks beside us and is leading the way. We can risk loving ourselves and loving our neighbor. God is the ground of our being, and therefore love is the ground of our being. We say it all the time, God is love, Jesus loves me. Our epistle for today said, because God loved us, we ought to love others. And we say all that, but what does it mean practically in our lives? This morning, I'd like to talk about two of those things. There are many, but I'd like to talk about how being rooted and grounded in love enables us to care for and love ourselves and then enables us to care for and love our neighbors. Let's pray. God, we are in uncertain times in the church, in the nation, in the world. We're clinging so desperately to the past, wanting to go back to that, and yet there is no going back because you are calling us into your future. We're tired. We're afraid. We don't know the way. We've never been this way before, and so we keep trying to hold on to what we know when you are calling us to let go and enter the future that we don't yet know but is yours. So God, ground us this morning in your love, that we might have the courage and the wisdom to walk that journey with you, to be birthers of your future in the world with all that that asks of us. 
and to care for ourselves and others well as we do it. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Being rooted and grounded in the love that is God means that we can embrace our humanness and take care of ourselves. Last Sunday afternoon, I ran away to the beach. I was as close to burnout as I can remember being in a long time. It was a convergence of things. We had a single mom and a young child in the church who were desperately ill with COVID, but not such that they could be in the hospital, but they couldn't take care of themselves, and they have no family except us. And so for two weeks, I was busy trying to take care of someone very sick from COVID and her young child, and I couldn't have done it without Mary and Randy and Henry and all of us who came together, but it was exhausting (laughs) In the middle of all that, we were moving toward this boat that took the strength and courage and wisdom of all of us. And so from all the exhaustion of our two years of working toward that moment and even the exhaustion of having reached it with all of its pain and its grief and its exhilaration and excitement. And then there were challenges in my extended family and with friends who are facing health and other challenges. And just the general challenge of having been stuck in this COVID no person's land for over a year and a half and swimming in this subliminal anxiety and trauma that has been a part of our lives and more. (laughs) And I knew that if I didn't stop and take care of myself, it would not be pretty My children know the signs of burnout when they see it me better than I do. When I was a single mom, they could spot it well before I did, and they would say to me, Mom, you need to go to bed because you are using those words again. (laughs) And they were right. And so last week I saw myself at the edge. And so on Friday afternoon, I emailed David Hanks, the SPRC chair, and said, your pastor is running away, but I'll be back. And so I took a few days down at Galveston to just unplug, to cry, to laugh, to swim, to dance on the beach, to shout all of the anxiety in a space on the ocean where nobody but God could hear me, to breathe, to sleep, to eat well, to sit in the beauty of a full moon moon dancing on the ocean and just renew myself in body, mind, and spirit so that I could return back to the work, so that I could return back to you, so that I could return back to myself whole. The good news of being rooted and grounded in the love of God is that we can embrace our humanity with all of its limitations as good, we can take care of ourselves as a gift from God. We give lip service to that. We say it's important, but we rarely do it. Even the church and the world say, oh, you should take care of yourselves. And yet, we applaud those who drive themselves to exhaustion, those who never set boundaries, those who are always available, those who always say yes as the heroes and the heroines, even in the church. And yet God calls us to pause, to renew ourselves, 
to remember who we are so that we give our lives out of fullness and health and wealth. Even Jesus paused to step aside and be alone. As a matter of fact, we're told in the Gospels that he hid himself from those who were hunting him because he needed space away. He needed to rest. He needed to eat. He needed to party now and then as well as stand on a mountain by himself and cry and weep. He needed a circle of friends where he could go and just be. And he came as one of us to show us what it looks like to be a human being who needs to take care of themselves. And that is God's gift to us. God calls us to care for ourselves. And so the gift of being rooted and grounded in love is that we can forgive ourselves for not being able to do it all, for not being able to save the world, for not being able to save the United Methodist Church, for not being able to save others or even ourselves because we were never created to do that. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to be one who is completely dependent on God for our life and live in that fully. Our purpose is to stay connected so deeply to the vine that we draw our life from God's source and care for this gift which God has given us. As one who is often sucked into the illusion and the myth that I have to save the world, I was grateful for the gift from a friend of mine, a colleague, Dr. Matt Russell, this past week, he sent me a poem. I shared it with some of you during the noon devotion. Well, like I share it again because it gives us permission to just be who we are and offer that to the world as enough. Do not try to save the whole world, Diane, or do anything grandiose. Instead, create a clearing in the dense forest of your life and wait there patiently until the song that is your life falls into your own cupped hands and you recognize it and greet it. Only then will you know how to give yourself to this world so worthy of rescue. We start by loving ourselves, caring for ourselves, giving ourselves permission to not have to do it all because we were never created to do that. And then when we know ourselves loved by God, restored in God's love, grounded in God's love, knowing what our song to sing in the world is, we can offer it to the world. And that's our second point to know that God is love and that we are loved by God and that we are rooted and grounded in love enables us to give ourselves in service to others. We think of that in grandiose terms, but sometimes it's the smallest thing that changes a life in the world, and we discount that too often. You see, when we allow ourselves to be cared for by God and others and know ourselves loved and whole and renewed, 
than just presenting who we are in the world and being present to whoever shows up in front of us and offering what we have is more than enough. Yesterday morning, I was sitting on the front porch watching the rain and praying and listening. And when I finished praying, I noticed that a notification had come up on my cell phone from Messenger. And so I went to look at it, and it was from a Baptist pastor who I had met 13 years ago by happenstance. I and Jack, Jack and I were down at Sea Island, Georgia with a group from Duke Divinity School. We were working toward the Center for Reconciliation that is sponsored out of that divinity school and people had come from all over the place and this Baptist pastor was one of those that was there. I didn't know him, had never met him. And one afternoon during the free time, I was walking on the beach because when I'm near a beach, that's what I do. And he happened to be walking at the same time. And so we began to walk together and we're just chatting. And then for some reason, he began to feel safe enough to share more. He knows I'm sharing this story this morning and he's good with that. He began to talk about his heartache about his daughter, his grown adult daughter, who was addicted to heroin and was on the streets in Houston. And how great a grief it was that as much as they had tried to help her, she was not willing to get help. But the even greater grief was that they had a three-year-old grandson who was on the street with her. And they were trying to get custody of him so they could raise him back in North Carolina. And then he told me that there was a hearing in two weeks and he was just going to fly in and show up and hope to get custody of his grandson. And my legal heart just panicked. I knew he needed someone who could walk him through that so that he had the evidence he needs, so he had the documents he needs so that he could actually do this. I didn't know how to do it, but I knew somebody who did. And so I connected him with a family court lawyer and said, got them together that afternoon And when two weeks later he came to Houston for that hearing, he was ready. And he was able to take his grandson home. And in the note I got Saturday was a picture of his grandson who's now 16 and tall and healthy and thriving in high school and enriching all of their lives. And at the bottom of his note he said, I want to thank you because you changed our lives. I thought, what did I do? I just connected him with someone I knew. That was all I had, but I gave it. And this small thing that I could do had this incredible impact that changed a whole family system and saved a life. And it just reminded me that the small things, the acts of kindness, the just offering whatever it is we have is enough. And one day when we get to heaven, when we stand in the presence of God, we're going to be surprised at all those small acts of just being present to the person in front of us, of just offering ourselves the difference that it made in ways we can't even begin to imagine. Mother Teresa said it well. We all know the saying, we can't all do great things we can all do small things with great love. 
And when we allow ourselves to be filled and nourished and rooted in the love of God that is ours and offer that, however small it may seem, God uses it in ways we cannot even begin to fathom. And then there will be times that require more of us. Costly things. Things that might even be a bit frightening. Things that God is calling us to birth in the world. That may cause us to groan and pant and cry out in pain as we go through the process of birthing a new future. And that's the moment we find ourselves in today as a congregation, as an institutional church, as a nation, as a world that has had the things that we have gripped so tightly as essential, (laughs) as fair, as equitable, as just, stripped away from us so that we now see the inequities of our system here, of the way we connect in the world, and of a church that proclaims open hearts, open minds, open doors, but in honesty is unwilling to do that for all of God's children and creation. And so we are in a moment that is going to require that we embrace a birth process that is frightening, that at times is painful, and that at times requires all of our strength. As one who has actually experienced the raw labor of birth, it is a process that requires total surrender. And it is both exhilarating and terrifying. Because you realize that unless your body surrenders to what's happening and all of its pain... All of its terror, birth is not going to happen. And the more you resist the process, the more painful it becomes. But if you surrender to it, trusting that your body knows what needs to happen as you groan and pant and even cry out in pain, birth happens New life emerges. This possibility that never was before is there, alive and breathing. A new life. The closest thing to a divine act I have ever experienced. And all the potential that is now held in your arms. That's where we are as a congregation today. That's where we are as an institutional church today. That's where we are as a nation and a world today. God is inviting us to birth a new future, and it is going to be painful. It is going to require all of our strength. We are going to have to surrender to a vision that is not yet clear, but we know it's there, and we'll have to let go of everything we are holding on to, resisting going into that future. And that includes even some of those good things that we hold dear. So that God can lead us into a new place. Walter Brueggemann wrote a book in 2020 called Virus, A Summons to Faith. 
And in it, he talks about all of this stripping away of the illusion of how fair and equal our society is. This stripping away of how the institutional church is as open as it claims to be because it's not. None of us are. And with it, this opportunity to birth something new. And he reminds us that the call of God to love God's world, all of it, is a costly call. And for God to birth something new means we have to let go of the old. And that's where we are in this moment. God is calling us to birth a new future. And bearing, we have a unique opportunity to lead the way. You've already done a lot of the work. You have panted and groaned and given your life and your strength to opening the church to all people. And you voted with amazing courage two weeks ago to let go of this cocoon that has held you and step into a future that we know is there, that God is calling us into, that has the potential to become the kingdom of God on earth, even as it is in heaven for all people, where all of us have a seat at the table and are seen and have access to God, to love, to relationships, to marriage, to ordination, to community, to family, to health care, to a living wage, all of it. And we have entered the birth process. And I can promise you there's going to be some more pain along the way. There's going to be some more terrifying moments along the way. There are going to be some moments when we're exhausted and don't know what's coming, except that we know that God goes before us, that God's life and love is within us, and that what God is calling to birth, us to birth in the world is the very kingdom of God. It is a God-sized vision. The fact that we can't see it yet doesn't mean it's not real. It means that God is calling us to step toward it in faith, knowing that God goes before us and comes behind us and walks beside us. To sustain that kind of a God-sized vision and remain committed to it. To give our whole selves to this journey of faith that is both grueling and exhilarating. We must stay deeply connected to the vine. Rooted in the love that is God. Love that is Love that was, love that always will be, love for ourselves and love for our neighbors, a love that is vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, that is rolling over us like a mighty ocean in its fullness, leading us onward, leading us homeward to the very kingdom of God. The love that is God is ours and is calling us home, home to ourselves and home to our neighbors. And so this morning, I invite you to plunge yourselves into the ocean of God's love that we might come home and know ourselves loved and then reach out and love our neighbors. Amen.